Before we start the episode, we have a new review to shout out. If you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, you will receive your very own Badass Lady Meter rating. Disclaimer, we're only doing this for reviews in the United States because it's hard for us to see the other ones left in other countries, but we appreciate all of you so much. This review was left by Uneven Keeled. Thank you so much for your review. It means a lot to us. And your Badass Lady Meter rating is a Care Bears movie hallucination. So good. You go back for more. <laughs> Maybe our weirdest rating yet. Thanks so much for listening. Now the episode. Hello. Hello. I'm Grace. And I'm Madeline. And we're Dragon Babies. Dragon Babies. We reread our favorite YA fantasy classics and discuss why they may be even better for adults. Yes. This week, The Changeling Sea by Patricia A. McKillop. A lovely book with lots of pearls. Lots of pearls. Um, so we are, we got this request years ago. Um, it's been languishing in our requests list. We have covered the forgotten beasts of Eld by Patricia A. McKillop. This was back at the beginning of COVID. That book is absolutely magnificent. Go read it if Um, you haven't. Couldn't recommend it more highly. And then listen. (laughs) Um, but very sadly, Patricia A. McKillop passed away at the beginning of May. Um, so I wanted to look at more of her work because oddly I really hadn't read it when I was younger. I'm not sure how I missed her. Um, I think she is one of the best fantasy writers I've ever read. She's really incredible. And more and more I'm realizing that she's sort of like the fantasy author's author. Like she's sort of a best kept Uh, secret of fantasy. And that is not deserved. Her prose is unbelievable. I could this see what 140 page book like gripped me and held me maybe as much as Anna Karenina. I just, yeah, it it is so packed with feeling. I usually I would balk at that, but honestly, I'm okay with uh, comparing (laughs) Patricia McKillop's prose to Tolstoy's. (laughs) Honestly, I am so good. It's really, really good. I could see and smell and taste and like feel the wind on my face like the it was so evocative it really is and when you are writing a book where you have to mention the ocean constantly the entire time but every time you describe it I'm just as delighted to be witnessing it because all of the prose is so fresh yeah I that's you're doing something right yeah it's real fresh So fresh. Um, (laughs) This book was published in 1988, and it is a standalone novel, as so many of Patricia McKillop's books are. It was born shortly after Grace. It was born shortly after (laughs) me. I was one. (laughs) I was first. Um, Thank you to all of our listeners who have mentioned Patricia McKillop to us recently. Um, and I've loved the conversations we've been having on Instagram and email. Um, Kelsey, Eddie Lee reads on Instagram. Shout out to both of you. Um, that's all. Let's get started. Yeah, no, we, we have some really cool fans and engaging with them on social media is very fulfilling. Love talking books. Yeah. 
I'll start by describing how the publisher chose to package and promote this book. Um, probably my one gripe with the book is that I don't really like this cover. And mm. in fact, I don't think this book has had a good cover. Um, I yeah, she, did. Her expression and bearing is wrong. What is she wearing? Yeah. Like, give me. We are specifically routinely told that she's basically in night shirts. <laughs> and I, I just. I, yeah, I'm also confused by what she's wearing. And like I said, her, like just the way that she looks and her expression and everything is just incorrect. She, she doesn't look strong enough. Okay. Give me a back. This is my job. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Um, the cover features Perry, Perry Winkle, the protagonist gazing into the ocean while large waves arc up into the sky in front of her. And then there's a suggestion of like a serpent sea dragon vibe down in the corner, I think of like a piece of its body. Yeah. Um, they could have gone so much harder in on Yeah. That. But it's, it's not something you notice. Um, and Perry looks totally wrong to me. Um, I also was picturing her hair as actually, larger and curlier well, like and more out of very control. curly like tighter curls much much more height and volume like yeah. uncontrollable she rather than this like length thin, straight silky, greasy yeah that's, <laughs> that's, that's not just proper. blowing straight back um and i would have loved to get the actual like get at some of the mourning and grief in this book with her facial expression yeah. and it said she truly looks like Oh, my prince is coming home yeah. across the waves. Yeah. Like she, she looks like she is feeling a sort of whimsy. Um, she doesn't look haunted enough. <laughs> I know, not <laughs> to say that. Like, and I get it. You don't want to <laughs> just put like the frowny face emoji on the cover, <laughs> on the cover of your book. That's not how you get That's people. What I would put on my book <laughs> if I were, just the frowny emoji, <laughs> the one with the huge frown. <laughs> <laughs> title the changeling sea <laughs> image <laughs> large emoji from <laughs> no explanation it'll sell like hotcakes it absolutely will um yeah so and the backdrop is pretty i mean there's a beautiful sunset sky and a little bit of the beach rock um but perry is so weird and also i don't like the way that she's dressed because i think one of the important themes of this book is her class and poverty yeah um and it's actually really focused on in a way that class typically isn't in a lot of fantasy she's wearing like a corset dress she has a very fancy dress on to me and then you see there are some rips and it is too short for her I think the artist thought about it in some ways and I don't know maybe I'm just getting something really wrong here but I, I think the laces are confusing because it never talks about her wearing lace-up dresses she's wearing shifts right right and just as a whole she's she's so pale she's so she looks like she hasn't been living the life that Perry has actually right, lived. Like Perry does the hard labor yeah, for her job. She's a laborer. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, you know, they did the thing that fantasy covers often do, which is to take a female character and make her 
whiter, prettier, mm. um, better dressed, More and then also like regal looking, and also like take away some agency. I would say, and this is you know yeah, an she's interesting doing like the anime girl pose. Totally, yeah. <laughs> her arms are just sort of floating at her sides yeah. um, with her hands up, and I think this will be an interesting conversation we can have her actual agency versus passivity in the book um, because there are some uh, tricky but cool things going on there. Um, But everything about this does not speak to the character for me. Uh, Before we get to the plot, I also need to say that in looking up other covers for the book, I (laughs) Can you please post the one with the renovated Jesus? I will. I I looked up uh, the first edition cover... (laughs) <laughs> okay it's really funny it's perry in a white dress um <laughs> looking into the sun uh her face is um a bit of a mush face we're not not totally sure what's going on there and then lurking behind her <laughs> lurking is the right word <laughs> is Kier. I'm, i think this is Kier. it's not Leo. I, I don't, it could be. Who knows? Um, it, it, totally cloaked. He has no neck. He has no shoulders. He's just a sort of lump. And then a young Hagrid. <laughs> a face that I'm sorry to keep going to the emoji well, but that I could only think of as the moon looking to one the side and moon. smirking mm. face. <laughs> Straight out at the viewer. Um, it's it's really ridiculous. And the other covers I have found are variations on the one on our library copy, um, the Firebird Fantasy Edition. Um, they're, you know, watercolors of whimsical ladies looking into the ocean. Give me a sea dragon. Yeah. This book has a sea dragon in it. And it's pretty it. well described, too. Like, you could really do a decent um, interpretation that's pretty faithful, I feel. My favorite one looks very 80s, which makes sense. That's when this book was released. And it's oh. Perry looking more like herself. Sort intense of Yeah, intense, but also you can tell that she's having some of her um, typical, very internal thought process going on, yeah. and the spires in the ocean are rising up behind her. Oh, and you can see the, the outline of the dragon between them. I know. It's really oh, cool. Oh, that's really cool. Like, and the reason, you know, this cover wouldn't work today simply because of aesthetics, like it's the color like, scheme, the font, everything. It's just really, really dated looking. Really 80s, but in yeah. terms of the way the book is depicted I do really like the art and she has her hexes too I know isn't that cool yeah yeah and her hair is is more proper yes I, this I, is I more still what say I was give expecting. her more of it like mm-hmm. curlier mm-hmm. um but much better than the other one absolutely yeah. we'll put all these up on our website dragonbabiespodcast.com instagram at dragonbabiespodcast and twitter at dragonbabiespod Now that we have managed to talk about the cover of the book for a good 20 minutes, Madeline, would you like to give us a plot summary? Spoiler alert, we do spoil every book we cover. At the beginning of the book, we find out um, that Perry, short for Periwinkle, uh, her father, she lives in a fishing village. Um, It's not very glamorous. They do get a lot of visitors because they... The king's summer house is nearby. Yeah, yeah. And so the king sails in and Mm -hmm. out like pretty close to the town. Mm -hmm. Um, So they have visitors from that who are sometimes like, you know, 
upper class from where the fishermen are at, at least. Um, and we find out that Perry's father never returned from a fishing trip uh, one day when she was relatively young. Um, I think it was in the last year. It was pretty recent because it um, says at the beginning that I think something like six months. Oh, okay. Perry was 15 that year. Yeah. Okay. So it's not very long before the book starts. Um, And so Perry works at the inn. She scrubs floors and uh, just does a lot of hard work for her job. And she lives in the house of an old woman who was sort of a witch. Um, That's the feeling that we get from her, that she was Mm -hmm. a magic user. Uh, And the old woman just disappeared one day. Um, So Perry starts living in her house, taking care of herself and cooking her food and taking care of the house. Um, And her mother lives in her own house and is just kind of, uh, she is having, like she's basically spelled by the sea as Mm -hmm. well because the sea has taken her love from her, her Mm -hmm. husband. Um, So she's pretty um, just spaced out. She's yeah. very, very, very depressed. Yeah, Esse- essentially <laughs> unresponsive. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so Certainly she, not taking care of her 15-year-old. Right, so Perry um, is just kind of, she looks pretty wild. She doesn't wash her hair very often. She hasn't had new clothes in years, so they're too small for her because she's been growing. One day she goes up on top of the cliff overlooking the sea because she's going to hex it. Uh, she wants to hex it using like the kind of magic that she learned from mm-hmm. the the witch who used to live there um, because it stole her father, because she feels it has stolen her mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just she's basically just angry at it. She curses mm-hmm. it. She curses it. And um, she also whips into the ocean uh, some interesting trinkets from a young man who she sees one day on his horse in the surf. Uh, I think it's at night, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually she meets him. I think he comes up the cliff towards her uh, when she's working on her hexes. And then he gives her something to put in the ocean as well, which is his father's ring, mm-hmm. um, a letter, and a lock of his father's hair, mm-hmm. I believe. And Perry's just kind of like, okay. And so she throws that stuff in too. Um, she finds out that Kier is the prince. Um, and he is very like... I kind of imagined him looking like Robert Pattinson in the Batman. <laughs> Someone's been thinking about the Batman. How do lot. you not? <laughs> so he's just very forlorn, emo. Uh, very, he's, he has very fine looking features because he's the king's son. And in fantasy books, royalty often means you are attractive. Um, unlike in real life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go look up the Habsburgs. <laughs> Sorry. Um, And he is just really sad. He's so sad. He spends all his time looking at the ocean. Perry finds out that the king has brought him here um, because uh, he can tell that his son really wants to be by the ocean. Um, And uh, they have this interesting friendship that kind of blossoms into a relationship. Um, And Perry kind of slowly realizes, well, let me back up for a second. Perry throws the hexes into the sea, including Prince Kier's stuff. And uh, not very long thereafter, a incredible sea dragon uh, rises from the ocean. It has a massive gold chain around its yeah. neck. Um, and it, the fishermen freak out. The fishermen lose their mm. minds because, I mean, understandably, they want the gold because they're a 
poor fishing town, not necessarily like super mm-hmm. poverty stricken, but they all work really hard and they mm-hmm. don't have that much stuff. Yeah. Um, so they kind of fall into the spell as well because they want the gold so bad. Um, one of Perry's friends who also works at the inn with her Mare. Um, I don't know. <laughs> it definitely is. I was just saying Mare. Okay. Cause Mare, <clears throat> um, I think it's Latin for C. Hmm. Uh, I don't. I don't know any Latin. It's, so. it's something for C. If it's yeah. not Latin, feel free to correct me, um, listeners. Ellen's <laughs> shaking her fist as she says, um, "Mari, she, uh, her, her lover, as he's described, Enid." Um, goes, I love that. There's just casual sex in this book. Yes, by the way. It makes yeah, yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. It's great. Uh, it feels very natural. Mm-hmm. And so Enid just goes on a journey trying to find a magician who can get the gold for them because they realize that they are, even if they were um, to kill the dragon, which mm-hmm. they don't really think that they could do, they feel like they would poke it and then it would eat them, which probably um, they need someone to get the gold off of it and yeah. bring it back to shore. Because if they cut the chain, they know it's just going to go straight down into the ocean. Gold's real heavy, huh? It is real heavy. Um, and the dragon has just been really chill. It it's seems like the dragon out. just likes to watch people yeah. and has shown up at night when Perry is at the shore as well. So the everyone knows that the dragon is there in the town. I love they that. They keep seeing it. I love that component of the plot. There's no... I was worried at first that it would be like, oh, only Perry sees it. And right. then everyone thinks that mm-hmm. she's crazy. Um, but instead, everyone in the town is just so matter of fact about like, okay, we've got to figure out what to do about there's, this dragon. dragon. Um, and so they start... Enid is off on his journey. Uh, magicians start showing up at the town. Uh, none of them really worth their salt until finally... Um, worth their sea salt. They <laughs> finally... Uh, what's his name? Leo is how I pronounced it in okay. my head. Yeah. Uh, he... L-Y-O. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I thought Leo as well while I was reading it. He shows up. Uh, he like crashes through the door at the end and runs into Perry and there's like soap and suds everywhere. It's very funny. Um, He makes quite a landing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And he is a real magic user. Um, Perry can tell. And right away he wants her to help him because he can tell. I think he can tell from the beginning that she has her own magic um, and it takes him a long time to figure out how it's kind of tied into all of mm-hmm. this. Uh, because as it turns out later, Perry did successfully hex the sea and mm-hmm. really screw its magic mm-hmm. all up. Um, so he takes her with him. Uh, they go out. They they find the sea dragon. Uh, and he does a spell. And its chain turns into millions of periwinkles. <laughs> He just goes, whoops, sorry. And then and disappears. He disappears. <laughs> um, so all of the fishermen are really bummed. <laughs> and the dragon is unchained. Uh, during this time, the, the prince is still just hanging around, being sad. He, he He's shows like up coming over and making night. out and talking about how he wants to be in the sea. And he, and he like, doesn't know why. Yeah, and he can't love her, but mm-hmm. if he could, he would. And mm-hmm. it's just so much. Like, of course, Perry's head is spinning around. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And she begins to understand that like she has to help him. Mm -hmm. Uh, She promises to help him. I think around that point, Kira's father takes him to meet some noble's daughter. He wants to get him away from the ocean and try to be like, get a wife. (laughs) And into a lady. Yeah, what's wrong with you? Um, So he goes, he, he and Perry kind of part wistfully. And shortly thereafter, the sea dragon one night... Uh, well, I think first Perry's been talking to Leo. Like it's, it's obvious that Leo is around. He's like living in the woods near, he kind of comes and talks to her cause he's trying to figure out what's going on. And she is as well. And he trusts her. Um, and, uh, he, we learned too, that the periwinkles was like a mistake. He didn't steal the gold. Uh, but he is also not that he interested. He just had periwinkles on his mind. Exactly. Wink, wink. Yeah, yeah. But he's he's much more interested in trying to fix the magic of the ocean than, like, you know, the gold mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah. Um, and then one night, the sea dragon uh, shows up and Perry's watching it and then it walks out of the ocean. It, like, heaves itself up out of the ocean onto the beach and then turns into another handsome young prince man <laughs> who is what also can anyone do coming to Paris at night so many cute princes needing help <laughs> uh, because he has been a sea dragon for his like entire life he's actually a prince and this is kind of around the time where the we don't know that yet though we don't know who he is at first they're just teaching him how to talk they're just yeah teaching him how to be a human because he's really bad at everything he keeps dropping stuff he doesn't have any words um so she's like teaching him and then in the morning he always leaves he Mm -hmm. sleeps like on the floor at her house at night and then when she wakes up he's gone because he goes back into the ocean very tired yeah because perry still has a full-time job and then she's a nursemaid for a person dragon at night who lives in the ocean (laughs) and she's helping leo try to figure out what's going on with the sea there are also weird things happening with the various residents of the town there's more uh paranormal sea Mm -hmm. phenomena occurring Mm -hmm. um like they keep seeing fish people and there's mermaids and sirens and they're like kind of squabbling with each other and just being like what the heck's going on (laughs) So around this point, uh, Leo figures out, and we find out that Leo's also been talking to the sea dragon during the day um, while Perry is is helping him at night. So they're kind of tag teaming it. And uh, Leo figures out that the the mystery at the center of all of the these weird doings is that uh, Kier is a changeling. He is half a uh, sea person, Um, the king was in love with a woman from the sea. And so when the king took a human wife and they had a baby, uh, the sea people swapped Kira out for that baby. And the, the woman who uh, is Kira's actual mother chained the sea dragon and uh, just, you know, He's around as a sea yeah, dragon kept for 17 years. Imprisoned <laughs> there under the water. And we haven't explicitly mentioned it, but throughout the book, people talk about the kingdom under the sea yeah. as if it is a separate world. And mm-hmm. that is the place that Cure is so desperate to reach and that yeah. they're trying to understand and figure out, mm-hmm. you know, who his mother is and what her role is in all of this. Leo and Perry decide that they're going to try to talk to uh, Kier's mother and Kier's 
father's lover. <laughs> uh, yeah. So they, they and she has left a calling card on Perry's doorstep. A black she left pearl, a huge black pearl mm-hmm. on Perry's door, and Perry is come and like, see me sometime. Yeah, Perry is like Leo. What? And he's like the the woman from the sea left you this. Um, so they row out in her boat and. Uh, they find her. She is looking super uh, ephemeral. She's like floating beneath the water and they can see the pearls in her hair. Uh, really, really cool scene. Um, and uh, Leo kind of is communicating with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Perry puts her hands on the edge of the boat and leans over and she's just like, why won't you take Kier? Kier wants to go to you. Like, please take him home. Uh, and uh, the sea woman grabs her hands and it's like, well, and the boat gets pulled uh, all the way over to the side. And then uh, Leo grabs her and pulls her back. And she has um, the hexes that Perry had thrown into the sea only instead of the black thread that Perry uh, created them with. I think, I think they look kind of dream catchery mm-hmm. is how I pictured them mm-hmm. um, with like kelp and uh, wood or like seaweed or whatever, um, kind of making a a spider pattern only instead of the black thread is the, are these beautiful moonstones, uh, that sound like opals kind of. Um, and, uh, so moonlight and moonlight. Yeah. Yeah. So she has, uh, changed Perry's hexes and she's also kind of telling them what they need to do to fix things. Mm -hmm. Uh, so she goes back. Um, and I think, not very long after that, Kier comes back. Uh, she sees the king's ship coming back into harbor, um, and she uh, sees him at night one night not long after. Do they see the sea dragon coming out of the water together? I think so. I think they do. Yeah. And Before the king comes? Yes, yeah. yes, because the king shows up to mm-hmm. the powwow like, while they're all in her house. Mm-hmm. So she she takes the sea dragon. Uh, and Kira's being kind of um, grumpy and emotional about all this. Yeah, he's being cagey and weird. And he's also and he's like, he got to be in the sea. I want to be in the sea. Right. <laughs> um, and like, I want my mom help me. And he's like weirdly, uh, you know, protective of Perry despite... Mm-hmm loving her and not being in love with her. He's very confusing. Yeah. And a terrible boyfriend. This other woman that I was taken to meet was very nice. Yeah. Would that I could have a life with her. Yeah. (laughs) Instead I get this. Yeah. Um, And I really liked the the sea dragon kind of calls him on that. He's like, you're never happy. You're always looking at the sea, even when you're with Perry as like, come on, dude. Like she's amazing. Yeah. The sea dragon is so sweet. And it's fascinating that he has spent his whole life a prisoner chained underwater and is so sweet and open and giving and curious, whereas Kier has spent his life in the lap of luxury and is angry. miserable. Yeah. Uh, So they go back. Let that be a lesson to you. (laughs) And it's pretty obvious to both of them uh, that they're brothers uh, because they look really similar. They look very similar, just fair and dark versions of the same Mm -hmm. person. Yeah. Um, And so they're in Perry's house. Who did you imagine the sea dragon looking like if Kier is Robert Pattinson in Um, Batman? Just kind of like a a bit of an Adonis figure Mm. with like the glowing gold hair and like striking young man. You know what I mean? Okay. No one specific. Okay. (laughs) No one specific. Just curious. Uh, No, no one specific. And uh, so 
then the door, there's like a knock at the door and, oh, wait, can I say one thing? Sure. They have figured out through a book that Leo found oh, yeah. Leo that is a, book. Um, a beginning mage book about sea spellcraft, mm-hmm. um, about how to enter the underground, underwater kingdom. And you have to give a great you have to give a gift that is equal to the value of your life or something like that. Yeah. I think it's what you, yeah. Yeah. Equal to the value of your life. Um, and so while they're talking in Perry's house, there's a knock at the door and the King and Leo both show up. So there's, just a big party of distinguished and interesting people. Poor Perry is crouched by the yeah. fire trying to make some soup. And she kind of like hides behind Leo. Uh, and so dad shows up and he learns what's going on. Um, and he realizes that the uh, Kier's mother is angry with him because he spurned her. Basically, they were in love and he just stopped going he to just see her. Yeah. Um, and she's still very angry and hurt over that, which is why she's kept the sea dragon chained. Mm-hmm. Um, and like why she swapped Cure is because she wanted to give the king the product of their love, basically. Yeah. Um, so she loves and she's also angry with him. They go, they go to sea and they are able to summon Kier's mother again Using the moonlight hexes that Kier's mother modified that were originally Perry's hexes, uh, Leo is using them and they just throw these giant spider webs of light mm-hmm. and they're like having all sort of magical effects and Kier gets trapped in one of them and he can't move. Uh, and then Kier's mother is there and the king is talking to her and they kind of have a heart to heart. He explains what happens what happened between them. Uh, she is understanding and they're, they're kind of asking her, what, what do we need to do? What do we need to do to fix things? Um, and they finally figure out that Perry had cursed the sea and that she has to uncurse it in order for things to go yeah. back to their right ways. And that will assist here in leaving the earth and mm-hmm. going into the sea as well. Yeah. So she does it. She takes back her curses. She gives it back its normal magic. And then Kier uh, swims out like a seal. <laughs> he becomes a, cre- a sea creature like a in the process. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Um, and they see him go out and then dive and not come back. Uh, and Perry, Perry is very sad, um, of course, because she did love him. And they go back to shore. The king takes the sea dragon. Um, he gives him a name, Adon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Adon or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he goes back home. Um, and Perry uh, is just bereft, kind of. She finally explains. She goes back to her regular yeah. schedule. She goes yeah. back to the inn. I mean, she's been working the whole time. Yeah, yeah. But she, she has, has to make money. Yeah, she has a big part of her... Um, heart kind of torn out and she before Kier goes back into the sea she's like will you come for me when I'm old and sing me into the ocean and he's like yes I will Uh, 
But she goes to see her mom and her mom has dirt on her hands. She was doing gardening. Like she's looking pretty good. And Leo shows up as well. Um, Her mom is cooking them dinner and Leo is like, Perry, uh, the sea dragon misses you and he wants you to come live at the palace and continue to teach him because you were really good. You had a good connection with him uh, and he misses your teaching. And he just cares about Perry too. Like he instantly had a bond with her. She was the first human that he'd been around his whole life. (laughs) Um, and it, Leo's like, are you gonna, uh, fall in love love with with any more princes? (laughs) And Perry's just kind of like, I've had enough of that. And then Leo is, you could just tell that he's like, (laughs) because he obviously, then he surprised kisses her in front of her mom. (laughs) (laughs) So hot. (laughs) I guess they have a chaperone. I uh, said out loud, Leo, her mom. <laughs> Mom's standing right there. Uh, and uh, you, I mean, you could tell from the beginning that Leo is sweet on Perry, like yes. as soon as he meets he her. He makes the gold into periwinkles right. accidentally. Yeah, and that happens pretty early on. Mm-hmm. Um, but he says, you know, I'll come with you to the palace. I'll, you know, I can teach you some stuff and make sure you don't get into too much trouble. Uh, and it's, it's a really sweet ending. I like it a lot. And I like that even though um, it has the like found love ending, mm-hmm. it's not a gets married off ending. It's mm-hmm. a she is going to fulfill a great purpose mm-hmm. by becoming a teacher to the prince mm-hmm. and, like, and learn more about her own magical abilities. Exactly. Exactly. It's not like married and babies, the end. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought that was a pretty great ending, honestly. I agree. And her mom is okay. Yeah, yeah. Her mom have a really nice sea madness has also retreated. <laughs> yeah, I really, really benefited from them having that final talk and yeah. her telling her everything that's been happening and her mom being really upfront about acknowledging, like, I've been gone. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know where you've been living. I don't know what's like, been oh going on. Oh my God, on you, with need you. you need new clothes. <laughs> you need yeah, help with your changing body. Yeah. Like you went through puberty and you had no parent to help you yeah. with that. <laughs> yeah. Dark stuff. There's a really sad and beautiful line about two thirds of the way through the book when Leo's asking her what happened to the witch whose house she lives in. Mm. And she's like, yeah, she went away and didn't come like back. I think she went into the sea. And Leo says, a lot of people have left you this year. And it's just like, my God. Yeah. She's dealing with a lot. She really is. She's dealing with a lot. Okay. So new impressions. We haven't read this book before. Uh, Yeah, I kind of editorialized while I was Mm -hmm. doing the summary, as I usually do. Um, But again, I just have to say that this book is so, so beautiful. It reminded me of The Folk Keeper in really good ways. Um, Which we have an episode on. Um, Which which one came first? Definitely this one, right? Yeah, The Folk Keeper is probably inspired some by this book. The Folk Keeper Keeper by Franny Billingsley, um, which came out in... 1999. So yeah, 
Yeah. It was just so... Which also deals with changelings, mm-hmm. silkies specifically. Yeah, but it... Which it, is a different sort It of happens thing. on the sea, mm-hmm. and the sea is like a very important character, kind of, mm-hmm. and the main character has magic, but isn't aware of it, um, and has this connection to the other world. Um, but anyways, I, like, from that place, I was able to enjoy it so much, mm-hmm. and there's just so much beauty in this book, Uh, And that is something that I try to focus on a lot in my own life because it's good for me to focus on the beauty of the natural world. Um, We live in Seattle and it's spring and it's all of the incredible greenery is turning into just massive life forms. Um, Everything's leafing out beautifully and it's just it's great vibes. Um, I love it so much. So I I enjoyed it a lot from that perspective. Uh, And uh, I I loved the, I mean, the romantic storyline with the prince was kind of frustrating, Mm -hmm. um, but I loved so much that she and Leo also became close and that, like, it was clear that they were going to have a relationship together because he treated her well from the beginning. He saw Mm -hmm. how special she was Mm -hmm. um, and was very, like, kind to her. Um, so I liked that a lot. And there's also a little tension between her and the sea dragon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. At first, I was like, are both of the princes going to be in love with her? Because I think that the sea dragon does love her. Yeah, uh, Maybe not necessarily in a romantic way. Maybe and the a sea bit. dragon is like, you know, the born sexy yesterday trope. Right. Um, yeah. Where he's, he's not socialized. Yeah. Like, he uh, has never existed in a human body. Um, so is discovering what that means. And so, yeah, it wouldn't be appropriate for him to be romantic. No, no, it wouldn't. All he gets are hugs. That's all he, he needs. He does get hugged a lot, which he really needs. He, he needs does. to be hugged. So needs yeah. affection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I loved this book. It was wonderful. Yeah. I absolutely agree. I also loved it. I love a changeling story. Yeah. I feel like... We need to cover more of the ones I was really into when I was younger. Um, I wish I had read this when I was younger. I would have been obsessed with this book. Yeah. I would have been like straight up writing Changeling Sea fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> the three romantic interests. I know. And they're like all hot too. They're all hot. <laughs> Leo is like the perfect mischievous traveling magician with, type with character. beautiful color shifting eyes. He's very reminiscent of Howl in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, just younger. And I would say, you know, Less self-centered. I mean, who is as self-centered? I as got all? a little bit of new mare from him oh, too. Oh yeah, definitely <laughs> some new mare vibes yeah. from the uh, Wild Magic series mm-hmm. and others by Tamara Pierce. Mm-hmm. I also like that he's not white. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I love the way that he gets to zip in and out and remain mysterious. Just a really fun character. Like a larger cool point about the book is that it is really short, but it feels the perfect length. Yeah. And while, you know, it would be fun to see more of what's going on with different characters, that would sacrifice the book's absolutely perfect flow. Yeah. Um, And we were saying earlier, just the, yeah, the incredible prose that Patricia A. McKillop writes there is no word too many and no word too few. Um, and some of these sentences are just, uh, 
Oh my God. I, one in particular that I wrote down was love and anger are like land and sea. Mm. They meet at many different places. Yeah. Um, there are just these, you know, seemingly simple phrasings like that. And yeah. then you go back and look at it again and you're just like, oh, wow, yeah. I'm jealous. <laughs> I will never write like this. It's so beautiful. It's so poetic. Um, I also thought that the opening of this book was so strong um just like the immediate opening passage that is about no one knowing where perry has been living after her father never came back from the sea and her yeah. mother turned gray and could only sit at the window and look at the incoming tide and it's just like whoa i'm ready <laughs> i'm here <laughs> put me in this bike <laughs> um yeah i i really thought that her writing made this type of story possible too because a lot of the concepts are well known they're oft repeated and relatively straightforward mm -hmm. you know a changeling um a king having a child with either um you know some sort of like supernatural being or like a fisher woman and in this case it's kind of like a combination mm -hmm. of them both yeah no it's like fairy tale mythology that is like culturally entrenched mm -hmm. in our souls i feel yeah, like <laughs> right in in every tradition yeah, like around the world yeah there's um, there's stories like this yeah mm -hmm. in just so many different cultural traditions but then because patricia a McKillops writing is so gorgeous. I feel like that really created this beautiful tension between land and sea and then also childhood and adulthood. Mm. And like throughout the book, we're yeah. seeing both of those dualities and the ways that they're connected to one another. And Perry is the perfect guide between the two, not just literally because she lives on the ocean and has lost a loved one to the sea. Yeah. But also because she's on that precipice. Yeah. Like she is she is kind of forced into an adult role when her father dies and her mother checks out. Yeah. But then she is also still doing these younger, more childish things like making her hexes and throwing them into the sea. Um, and I felt that there was this really interesting process of emotions becoming tangible like mm. physical entities yeah. and so that I mean that is like a way to describe magic I guess in yeah. some ways but mm -hmm. I thought it was really fascinating that McKillop articulated that Leo at one point when someone calls him powerful he says well it's not really about my abilities it's that I just listen and pay attention mm. and then later he says that um, he says this quote odd things draw my attention happiness sorrow they weave through the world like strangely colored threads that can be found in unexpected places even when they are hidden away most secret they leave signs messages because if something's not said in words it will be said another way mm. and I felt like that was really conveying why Perry has this power as well mm. and the ways in which she's been able to affect you know, this total uproar within the ocean without yeah. realizing it along yeah. the way. Um, and I thought it was just really cool that there was that connection there. 
Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I just said a lot of different things, but, um, well, I, but I, I, I liked that all the main characters had like one foot in each of these two opposite realms. Yeah. Whether it's, yeah. The dances between. Land, sea, and it's always the push and pull between the yeah. two. It just feels like the ocean. This story Exa- just feels that's, like the ocean. That's it's okay. so impressive. Thank you. That's exactly <laughs> what I was trying to articulate. It feels like the tide coming in and out and her writing makes all that possible. And someone who wasn't this wildly talented, I think in their hands, you know, it still could have been a good story, but everything wouldn't have have been as connected. Yeah. And you wouldn't feel it in your heart. You really do. Oh my gosh. This book, you really feel it in like your emotional core. (laughs) You absolutely do. And I think too, because of that ordinary life throughout the book has a sense of magic in it as well super into that i love that and that is our jam yeah <laughs> absolutely it's what we um, should all be working on and even though there are you know like flashier magic moments like leo turning the chain into periwinkles <laughs> that also has this fundamental emotional contingent because it's because he's thinking of Perry when he does it. Oh, and I forgot to say that before Leo told her, she didn't know that a periwinkle was a beautiful flower. She thought it was just a snail. Right. And he's like, why would you be named after a snail? (laughs) I know. That's like the first thing he tells her when they meet. It's really lovely. Yeah. Um, Yeah. He's always like, up in her without feeling creepy throughout yeah. the book, which I really liked. Like he's always he's really looking encouraging out for her. of her. Yeah. Um, but he's also interested in her and like, he has a lot more world experience than she does. And she is only 15 and he is definitely not 15. <laughs> we don't know how old he is. Yeah. But, um, yeah. He's, he's a young and as well, clearly. Right. Um, but he is old. Cause people do tell him like, you are so experienced for someone so young. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I got the impression that he's in his like early 20s. Yeah. (laughs) And then uh, this other piece that's also related to that, that feel of the push and pull of the tide. Mm -hmm. Um, When Leo and Perry are talking to the sea queen, we don't know her name at any point. Do we? No, yeah, that's why I just say like the woman from the sea or like Kira's mother. Yeah. Leo is translating what she's saying to Perry. And she says, if your father had cast his heart into the sea, his body might have wandered into her country. Because Perry's asking, is my dad there? Have you seen him? But his heart came with his boat into harbor every night. So his bones may be in the sea, but his heart remains where he kept it all his life. It's so beautiful. And it also drives home that ache that every main character is experiencing where you can't be in the two places at once, whether those are physical realms that you're like trying to escape from or drown yourself in or an emotional state of being young and having your parents there to take care of you versus being independent and on your own and having to acknowledge that your dad is not coming back. Yeah. Right. No. And, and it wasn't, yeah. Perry saying, okay, this is my year. Like I'm going to go live in the sea, witch's house. Yeah. She's just trying to survive. Yeah. Okay. I still have more to say somehow. 
<laughs> I also thought that this book actually addressed class in a really cool way that mm. a lot of fairy tale Just type don't novels especially don't yeah. talk about, even though typically there are a lot of class clashes mixed, mixed class relationships right. in fairy tales because there's yeah. so many instances where a pauper is mingling with a royal mm-hmm. or someone with great magical power is mingling with someone who has none or right. a supernatural being is you know getting involved with a human yeah um all of which we have represented in this book and i really felt perry's exhaustion, her frustration at having to keep going to work every day when at night she's teaching a sea dragon and also talking to Leo and also heartsick over her first love being, you know, being very difficult, being difficult. (laughs) And also at that point, having been taken away to go like attempt to be married off. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Tough stuff, but she has to work so that she can make money to survive. And even with her working, her main food source is food that the inn owner gives to her to take home and cook at the end yep. of the day. Yep, the community looks out for her. Yeah, yeah, they're always giving her scallops and oysters and things like that. Yeah, she's, I know that uh, until not very, yes, not very long ago in history that that kind of seafood became uh, a luxury item, mm-hmm. but it used to absolutely be peasant food. Yeah, I mean, lobsters were for slaves to eat in the Americas. Which, if you're only looking at a lobster, I could tell because, yeah, they look like sea bugs. They look like giant, terrifying sea bugs. But if you've eaten one... uh, It's dish delish. Delicious, yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay, I got distracted thinking about lobsters. Uh, (laughs) Now I want to eat lobster. (laughs) It's been a long time. (laughs) It's been a long time. Um, And... uh, There are also a lot of mentions of why the people that live there are so entranced by the gold and just like the economic reality of their village. And I really liked that. And that was one way that this book actually reminded me of Earthsea. Um, Um, It specifically really made me think of Tahanu a lot at different moments. Um, And I think that's also because it shows the value in the domestic Um, And the ways in which something like just making soup for someone can be such an important and healing task for both people involved. Feeding Um, someone can be, yeah, like really, really intimate and rewarding. Yeah, I guess this should go and pretend food, but I'm going to say it now. The Like I mentioned, I really, really appreciated that final passage with her mom. And her Mm -hmm. mom is making soup with carrots and onions and shrimp and listening to Perry and Leo like interrupt each other and tell her the full story of everything that's happened. Mm -hmm. And then they all just make, you know, finish making the soup together and, you know, presumably after the book ends, have a nice dinner together. And I really love cooking. And one of the reasons I do is Grace and her husband, Josiah, are incredible cooks. Thank you. (laughs) 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 But the process is so fun and it's so like intimate and just delightful to be making a meal with somebody else and you're sharing things about your days and your lives. And that passage really brought that out for me. Yeah. Um, And I thought captured it very nicely. Yeah. Then the last thing I'll say right now, um, I 
really liked having a very internal protagonist Mm. who is given to thinking about things quietly rather than acting or speaking to others about it. She doesn't tell her friends about anything. She's just, it's all going on in her own head. I love that they're having their gossipy conversations at the end during the workday and Perry's just silent as um, Mare and... Kare or whatever the other one is. I don't called. care about the other one. She's, I, I get it. I get um, her deal, but I just didn't care about her. Well, yeah, she's interested in trying to find a rich husband because, like, of course, yeah. you don't want to scrub the in floors day in and day out for the yeah. rest of your life. Oh, for sure. I get um, it. But uh, they're, you know, talking about why is the sea dragon there and what about the gold and what about the prince? And Perry is having, you know, daily interactions with each with of these, these things. Yeah, she's just not she's telling just her like, friends mm, about it. Yeah, maybe later. She's thinking about it herself. Yeah, I love it at the end when she finally tells them everything and Mari is just like, you get back in here, you sit down and you tell us the whole story. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's perfect. <laughs> um, I would be so irritated if one of my friends friends did that if they hid all this magic stuff from me if i and and if a sea dragon surfaced in lake washington it would be the only thing that i could ever talk about or think about for the rest of my life and if madeline if you at night were going down and teaching that sea dragon how to read and you weren't telling me about it we would have words that's it (laughs) sistership over sisterhood over (laughs) don't worry i would absolutely tell you thank you yeah you don't have to take me just tell me no i mean i don't think i would be able to deal with that by myself so (laughs) i'm trying to bring you along (laughs) that's true and i appreciate that yes um, and like I said earlier, I do think there could be an argument made that Perry actually, that the story kind of does happen around her in some ways, but then that's missing the important point that she is the plot catalyst for yeah. all of these events. Yeah. She's the one that curses the ocean. <laughs> Even if it was unintentional, she is the most powerful person in the book. Yeah. Um, she can do what Leo cannot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it takes her uncursing the sea and having cursed it in the first place to fully seal up the sea dragons cycle and cures cycle and be able to switch their places and something that i thought was really fascinating is that at the beginning of the very beginning of the book like second third page when she's talking about growing up with the sea witch Mm. um she says that she they would both do hexes with you know various objects twigs string and the hexes never seemed to work for either the witch or for Perry. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so they were working. <laughs> it's just that they weren't aware of it. And yeah. I felt like that really cemented that the witch did go into the sea yes. when she was yeah. old enough and decided it was time. Yeah. Maybe she had a sea lover. Maybe I know. Every yeah. character in this book has a sea lover. Yeah. I really hope that she did. Okay. So we've talked about, romantic realism a bit um i do love the line what have you done she asked herself aloud what have you done she answered herself a few moments Hmm. later i've gone and fallen in love with the sea yeah 
Yeah, I I kind of love the Great melodrama. Of well, they're very much Kira's fifteen, yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah. seventeen. I think in Kira's in Kira's case, he's, yeah, I think he's um, fifteen. I get why Kira is the one that she goes for. Like he is broody, he's mysterious, he's emo. He We've comes there, and goes. He's <laughs> on a dark horse riding along the ocean at night. Like, what don't you like about that? Yeah, um, but. Really, the other romantic options in the book are much superior, and I thought it was kind of hilarious that she gets her, like, bad boy phase out of the way early on. And then he literally goes into the ocean never to be seen again. Um, So it's not like she can text him or anything. That's a great thing for your bad boy ex to do, honestly. No, it's perfect. (laughs) Um, And she'll only see him when she is ready to die and be led into the sea which i mean for their relationship it makes sense and he's gonna be like a i think a supernatural being of some sort now yeah we don't really get into we know the ocean has magic um but we don't get too much into the queen's magic or the the underwater lady's magic i think that mortals just don't get to know really it's gonna be on them right and there's a great line that leo has where he says Something like what a boring world it would be if all the mysteries were solved. Exactly. Um, And I think that applies to a lot of the different components of magic in the book going into magic systems now. Um, I love that there are so many different kinds of magic. And I also think it's really interesting that Perry and the witch, who are clearly both powerful, um, they're not seen as special mm. or as magicians in the way Leo is, probably because they're women yeah. and they're not flashy and they're not educated. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, for sure. Whereas Leo gets to come in and be like, whoop de doo, la de da, periwinkles. <laughs> and by that point, everyone's like, oh my God, you're so annoying. Why did you do that? Yeah. But they still respect him. And even when the other issues start happening later with the odd sea events, with um, the fishers, the fishermen, they're like, can the magician come back? Even though he really messed things up for them the first time. Yeah. And they do figure out, which I was happy with. They didn't think that he just like stole the gold and absconded. Mm -hmm. In the end, they were like, he's just really screwed that one up. Also, doesn't he turn it back into gold at the very end of the book? He does. Yeah. Yeah. Because it starts washing up Mm -hmm. on shore. Yeah. Yeah. And the gold comes out of the sea for the town to have. So he does, he does come Hopefully not causing... problems I know, right? seems dangerous yeah in a variety of ways um but yeah i like that magic is sort of suffusing this world and then those who have the ability can channel it through a variety of means so for leo it's learning these you know pre-ordained spells through his learnings and books but then he also has his like empath magic where he yeah. can like see emotions yeah. and yeah. follow those clues in order because that's how he figures out the central mystery of the book and then Perry has her magic that is being uh, concentrated through her hexes and her cursing of the sea the fact that she curses the entire sea is really impressive wow that's a that's a quite a powerful curse I I fear the sea to the extent that I would not even try to curse it. <laughs> I love the sea. So. I I have a respectful fear of the sea. Fair enough. <laughs> 
It's exactly. like my relationship with the sun. <laughs> I this book has made. I mean, I I always want to be around bodies of water, but it's made me want that even more. And yesterday I biked to the Sound, and today I biked along a lot of Lake Washington. Lake Washington's beautiful, and it was raining very lightly, and the sky was glowing, and I could hear the waves crashing next to me. And like reading this book once, I think has filled me with a new greater appreciation for the ocean than I've even had till this point. So like, it's truly like a, a who God. doesn't want that? Yeah. You know? yeah. It's like you watching the movie sunshine and being able to feel better about the sun. It's literally watching the scene where Captain Canada gets like nuked by the sun this morning. <laughs> this morning. This morning? Yes, I was watching See? it. Such, I watch that routinely because I get like, it's like a spiritual experience. I get chills. It's it's a really cool movie. It's also kind of a horror movie and there's silly parts about it. Um, but the space uh, like psychological exploration and our relationship with like celestial bodies that part is like really incredible you've recommended it on the pod before doing it again (laughs) well and all that is to say that that's how you know that this is a very powerful work it has made me feel differently about the ocean which I already had positive feelings about but now I like appreciate its deep magical mystery all the more and honestly that's definitely why I watched this scene this morning is because of how the book because was making book. me feel. It was giving me cool. similar vibes. Yeah. And that's, I love that you brought it up yourself. It's <laughs> very cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Shall we uh, go on in to have a snack? Maybe some scallops too, because that's the only thing you're going to get here. Yelp Pretend food. Oysters. <laughs> Great song. (laughs) Not our best, not our worst. Um, Yeah, so Perry lives in poverty. She is only eating what comes from the ocean, essentially. At one point, Leo does magic warm bread and beer from the inn. (laughs) Just like snatches little to their house for their final meal. Yeah. Um, But it is relatively simple food that is very shellfish focused. um, But... Some stuff still, still sounds pretty tasty. Also, shellfish, fresh shellfish that you just pulled out of the water. Mm. Oh, yeah. Scallops that Perry has just steamed open. They must be incredible. I love scallops. The book really also gets into all the labor behind cooking in a yes. you know sort of medieval period like this, where yeah. Perry is having to get firewood and everything haul water must be done and by hand. build everything. up the fire. Yeah, and like coming home from these really long days of work, and then you dump your oysters on the table, and it's like okay, now, now we let's work, work so on these. Eat. Yeah, I did save the passage where the sea dragon gets to eat like warm human food yeah. for the first time. I, yeah. He's just been filtering krill through his yeah teeth He's, he eats like a baleen whale <laughs> yeah, yeah for years and years and years he paced while he nibbled bread he burned his fingers in the fire poked himself with a needle startled himself with the cracked mirror tripped over the trailing quilt and dropped everything he picked up including his bread and a bowl of oyster soup perry made him sit down finally curled his fingers around a spoon and taught him to feed himself the first spoonful of hot milk, oysters, melted butter, salt, and pepper he swallowed amazed him. <laughs> Perry laughed at his expression. <laughs> Very cute. Yeah, he's just, he's so lovely and innocent. I like him a lot. 
And then later Leo shows up at Perry's and is like, I smelled something really delicious. So I came over and he takes a piece of the potato that she made and says, it's so good. It must be magic. Which she probably did put a little bit of magic into it. It's like a gentle flirting game throughout the book is really funny. And you're absolutely right. There is magic in those potatoes because Perry made them. Exactly. (sighs) Good stuff. I, I will be revisiting this again yeah. and also we'll do about as lady meter in a sec but you know right now before i forget i just need to say i really want to read more of patricia a mckillop's work mm. um so i'm curious what all of you think we should do next um we've had some recommendations already that we are definitely looking at. Um, but, you know, just curious to get like a larger opinion. What's your favorite Patricia A. McKillop book? Yeah. Yeah. We'd love to do another one. Because The Forgotten Beast of Eld is one of her early, I think it is her first novel, oh, actually. Wow. Um, and that was incredible. That's this she nuts. wrote, I think, 13 years later. Okay. Um, I did, I tried to find in, an interview with her about this book specifically and couldn't find anything. Um, but she did say, at various points that like she you know struggles to feel that like her older work is as good as her more recent work Mm -hmm. simply because she has you know become a more experienced writer every day and she also talked a lot about how with each of her books she wants to do something new with fantasy Mm. and change something about the way that fantasy is typically being written and I anticipate her being able to do that because wow her writing wow 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 yeah that's incredible okay so badass ladies I'm gonna go first I'm gonna give Perry Ah! (laughs) (laughs) okay and uh, I rate Perry pearls for her hair and uh, whatever else she wants to wear I hope it fits her. She wants to wear (laughs) a beautiful little fashion poem for Perry. (laughs) All the shifts she wants, I just want them to be in her size. Great rating. (laughs) I'm going to give my rating to um, Mare Mare. I don't know how to say her name, but we didn't really talk about her. But I do want to impress that literally from the start, she's like, you guys. Going after that gold is not going to do any good. Think about this. You want to free the sea dragon? Who put it there? Who has the power to put a gigantic gold chain around a monster and then secure it to the floor of the sea? Is that someone someone that you want to meet? Like, is that someone you want to bring to the village? And the men are getting increasingly ridiculous and saying they want to kill the sea monster. and. Just just being absolutely absurd. Her boyfriend is very annoying. And, you know, she suffers through it all while being like, I'm putting my foot down. I'm not going to be a part of this. And I will speak up and tell you that this is ridiculous and this is not what you should be doing. And yeah. to be like a 17-year-old girl working at an inn Talking in a fishing village and telling the men that they are doing dangerous, reckless, foolish things that could endanger everyone. That's, yeah, it's pretty awesome. That is incredible i was impressed certainly by not as well. a place that i was in at 17 well and i loved because like first she says that to perry and kathy or whatever <laughs> i love that we're getting like more and more ridiculous i called her car right car. 
<laughs> and and I'm like, ah, of course, the voice of reason is like the quiet women. And then she marches into the room and she tells them exactly how she feels. And yeah. I was just like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's I awesome. Know. Listen to her. This yeah. is great. My rating for her is a good week off mm. followed by a new job. In whatever field she chooses. Maybe a new um, lover too. <laughs> maybe a new lover as well. Just like, you know, a season of change yeah. for, for Mare. Yeah. Um, that is my rating. It may be a little general, but I see I see her destined for greater things. Yeah. And, you know, maybe the influx of gold will help some of that become possible. Yeah, I don't want her to have to scrub floors anymore. Agree. So that's everything for the Changeling Sea. I do, you know, just want to say rest in peace to Patricia A. McKillop. Mm. I wish that I had discovered her work earlier in life, but hey, we got some time left. I mean, I I struggled to realistically feel that 2022 will ever even end, but mm. you know, there's time to read. Um, Certainly time to read. Another year may come. It may not, but I'll be reading along the way. So please do let us know your favorite Patricia A. McKillop books. Um, we're excited to continue with her work. And thank you to those who have chatted about her with us already yeah. um, and recommended this book. Our next episode is one that I've wanted to do for quite a while, but I held back out of concerns that the genre didn't quite fit the pod. I don't care about anything anymore we don't care. these days. I'm just desperately seeking joy. So the next book we're going to cover is The Egypt Game by Zilpha Keatley Snyder. And the last time we covered a Zilpha Keatley Snyder book, it, it really lingered with me. So I'm excited to do this yeah. one because yeah. I haven't read it since I was like nine. But when I was nine, I went through a period of like literally reading this and then going back to the first page and just starting over again. I remember seeing it a lot. Yeah. So it's going to be an interesting process getting back into it. Is there a bust of like Nefertiti mm-hmm. on the cover? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's also a, um, like, child murderer in the book. Yeah. It's dark. I'm ready. It's a dark book. I'm I'm excited to tackle it. So uh, that'll be out soon. In the meantime, you can check out all the media related to this episode, different cover versions, things we mentioned. We'll put links to those on our website at dragonbabiespodcast.com. You can also find us on Instagram at dragonbabiespodcast and Twitter at dragonbabiespod. Madeline? I have an Instagram where I post my art. Natural, uh, celestial, spooky, cute stuff is, I think, the four adjectives that I would use. Um, My handle is pig and doodles. That's the word pig, the letter N, the word doodles. Uh, And yeah, check my stuff out. I think that's it. I'm Grace. And I'm Madeline. Until next time. Goodbye.